Welcome back to another episode of the Hitchcock Minute. Each week, Movies by Minutes hosts examine the 1959 Ernest Lehman written thriller North by Northwest. One minute of screen time per episode. I'm your host, Sean German, and with me today is Brian German, his brother. All right. And co-host. Welcome back, Brian. Um, welcome back, listeners. Um, of course, Ernest Lehman, um, writer of this movie, wrote wrote a lot of other famous movies, uh, writer uh, for Sabrina in 1959, did the screenplay for The Sound of Music from 1965, and also a writer of the 1956 Rocky Graziano biopic, Somebody Up There Likes Me, mm. uh, starring Paul Newman as the, the, the great boxer. And, and not many people know this, but at the time of his death, Elvis Presley was in talks to do a musical version of Somebody Up There Likes Me. Oh, wow. Um, but obviously never happened due to his uh, untimely passing. So uh, poor one out for old Elvis there. Um, but we are not here to talk about Elvis Presley. We are here to talk about Minute 95 of North by Northwest. Um, in Minute 95, we see our, our suited... Cary Grant escorted into a police car where he must surely be on the way downtown to headquarters for booking and processing and fingerprinting and whatever else they, they do to people in the fifties in police stations. And apparently you ride in the back with the criminal. Back <laughs> there are a lot of nutty things in this minute. One is, Yeah. So there's the two police show up to escort Carrie, um, aka Thornhill, and one is driving and one is in the back. Is that normal? I don't think so. I would think it would be dangerous. <laughs> That's never any of the time you've been arrested. You've never had one of the policemen get in exactly the back all the times, and you never rode in the back with me. So I don't know what this is. Well, and they don't, then, well, and there's no, fr speaking of it being dangerous, one, there's no frisking. They don't check to see if he has a weapon on him. Obviously, Russell, I assume the the officer is armed. He could wrestle the, the firearm away from the police officer, or, and then he's got a hostage. He's got That's the right. cop right back with him. Yeah, that, that was strange. <laughs> that, yeah, that is, the, the police are strange. And then, Thornhill's being strange. And he's and again, it's one of those things where it's you you need to be as as suit wearing as Cary Grant is. As they're as they're escorting him in, he says, handle with care and valuable property. And then he thanks him. He says, I want to thank you for saving my life. Thank you. And he pats, he actually pats one of the cops on the shoulder. Yeah, don't you still think, as I mentioned, I think in the last minute, he's extremely calm for somebody in this predicament. Yeah. So do you, does that make it better or worse? Are you like, oh, this guy is so cool, calm and collected? Or does it make you skeptical that like he's, you know, he's being chased by spies. He's facing certain death and in times, how can he be so calm? It just, you know what? And it makes me wonder. First what, time watching this, I'm on my toes and I'm thinking, is this, is there something else going on here? That's what it made me think. Mm -hmm. Cause he's just, he, he knows the game and he seems pretty good and comfortable at the spy game. So you're wondering, is he actually a spy? I'm wondering that. He's, yep. he's I'm so wondering if, right. If we're going to get some kind of uh, new reveal or something going on. Yeah. 
did you know all along? You just assumed that he's just a guy that's capable, but he's not a spy. Mm-hmm. You yeah. never ran across. You never thought he was legitimately somebody else. See, I feel like the, and I think this is a knock against the film is I felt like they make it pretty clear early, like too early that he is definitely not a spy, particularly because they pull in the mother, like would, you know, I, I didn't feel like, Oh, well that could be part of the cover that he's got this woman who pretends to be his mother. Like, I'm like, no, he's really, he's really not a spy. That's really his mother. And so then it kind of takes away some of that ambiguity of like, Oh, you know, because he is so calm and he handles this so well, and he seems to know what to do to get out of all these situations. Like, Oh, maybe, maybe it's not mistaken identity. Maybe he really is a spy, but they make it clear, you know, his mother and then um, the, the, the Kaplan with the, um, with the hotel rooms. And then there's, we see the meeting of the, not really, they're not really good guys, but they're not the bad guys where they say right. like, you know, they, they have that kind of meeting early on where they're like, oh, there's this guy who was mistaken for this person who we made See, up. That, and that, they say yes. like, you know, where they definitely say, oh, well, we're, we're just going to let this play out. And at that point, you'd, oh, now we definitely know this guy's not a spy. And I'm like that. Yeah, I felt that came a little bit too early for me. See, with the mother, I, I was thinking maybe it's not his real mother, not from him. Right. Again, going back to my previous minute of total recall, mm-hmm. I'm thinking the whole thing was a setup. The whole thing. Well, and the fact that like what she's like 10 years older than he is. Right. Exactly. But but yes, the other scenes do do kind of show you that he's not really a spy. Yeah. So I mean, like like scenes like this would I think be a little bit more interesting for me if we had that ambiguity, if we had to wonder, is he doing this so well because he is really a spy? Right. You have Uh, to watch it. Like I did forgetting about the first scene. And now you're thinking he is a spy, right? You got to just watch it like half a movie at a time. Right. So you forget about that first half and you're like, Oh, maybe, maybe he is a spy. Maybe he's a spy. And like the other spies don't know. He's so much of a spy. (laughs) He's like a double spy that the spies don't know. He's a spy. Are there, I assume there's spies like that, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, now I'm a little surprised the way he is. He's very friendly. As, as I mentioned earlier, he actually reaches forward. He, he pats the, the, the one cop who's driving, he like pats him on the shoulder. He's thanking them for, for saving his life. Should he tip them? Oh, definitely. <laughs> no, you had tipping. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I like to be generous with, 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 with tipping, but I never, I, you know, I, I don't know what circumstances, when you tip somebody, how much you tip somebody, um, you know, like wait staff in a restaurant. That's pretty clear. I know what to do there, but like something like this, do you, do you tip an arresting officer? This is a unique situation. He did get his life saved. Um, I mean, then again, there's some other problems that could come up from all this. I don't know. Maybe maybe you don't tip in this situation. Yeah, I mean they're giving him a ride to the airport. All and I know if if this was Vinny Antonelli for my blue heaven, he would definitely tip. Uh, Yes, and that actually that's a good point. That's where you go by. You have to go by my blue heaven. Right. That's yeah. When in doubt, ask yourself like right. What would what would Vinny do? Exactly. Vinny would tip. 
he, he, that's he what he believes tip. in. He would, he would overtip. <laughs> but yeah, this uh, him driving along, it's just it's an odd, it's an odd situation with the police in the back, and even the police don't seem too concerned. But then again, they just think he's uh, maybe a drunk. Who knows? Yeah. He did, he just caused a little bit of a ruckus at the auction. How bad of a guy could he right. be? He does get their attention. So, he, you know, he gives them that the uh, drunken disorderly, that's chicken feed. When right. he mentions the United Nations killer, we don't see the driver, his immediate reaction, but definitely the guy who's in the back seat with him kind of perks up when he hears killer. Right. Uh, like, oh, we, we got someone. And I thought it was odd that, um, I guess, like kind of confirming the story that the driver he doesn't have like a help wanted sign. He doesn't have like a, an all points bulletin. He has a newspaper. He's got like the newspaper on the front seat with him. And that's got Thornhill's picture on the front. And he's like, oh, wow. You know, the guy's picture's in the paper. Like that's just. Yeah. I, I But I like that. I, I, I like that. That's a cool touch. Now, is that just, you know, cops have a lot of downtime. So he's, you know, sitting in the car reading the paper. Yeah, he's keeping up on the current events, you know, for the city that he's patrolling. He wants to know what's happening. Mm-hmm. Sure. And yeah, they they score uh, a huge criminal at this point. <laughs> They're going to be heroes. That's right. And uh, back to what I was saying with the special effects, even this driving scene is pretty, I, I, it looks good to me. I don't think it looks too bad. Yeah. I mean, it looks, it, it's a little bit off. Looks like a movie. Well, part of it is, and 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 I think I said it yesterday that just it, this is one of those areas where even modern day special effects I don't think have improved because they have it lit. It's nighttime. We can see outside the car. It's dark, and all the the other vehicles on the road have their headlights on. But they want, um, you know, it's a stylistic choice. They want the interior of the car well lit so we can see the faces, we can see the people who are talking and everything. And that's where it kind of like, okay, this is real, you know, this was real life. The the inside of the car would be dark. That's or if true. you turn the lights on, then the interior lights would be reflecting off the windows. So right. like, yeah, so it wouldn't look like this. But again, if you made this movie today and you had an interior car scene at night, you know, most you'd you'd, you'd light the interior, you'd want the audience to see the characters. Right. Yep, that's true. So, you know, unless you you know unless you make the stylistic choice to say, oh, we're going to have it dark and we're going to have you where you can't see exactly what everyone's doing. But if you want, you know, so it yeah, even if they did this today, it might not look necessarily that much more realistic. The driving and the the projection on the back, I I, I think it looks good. Yeah, that part of it. Yeah, the, that doesn't that, looks good. That doesn't throw me off as much as the the nonchalance of, of, of everyone here. Well, even so about, about halfway through or 40 seconds through the minute as you know, Thornhill's telling them you're going to be heroes. You've got the, the UN killer and he reaches into his jacket to pull out his wallet and ID to kind of verify who he is. And the cop is like, Oh, I guess he's going for something like that's right. You they had firearms. Like they had weapons in the 1950s, Chicago, this guy is not worried about him pulling anything out other than his wallet. Yeah, that's it. Again, that was strange. This the, the police are acting strange here. It, they're too casual. 
way too casual. They, they needs to be more uh, securing the the criminal here. Yeah. No, there's a, sorry, there's a line, but I'll have to wait till next week. One of the thing, one of the things the cop says is just it's nuts. It's cops. We could, are, we could crazy. Next cops. week we can look. We'll have to we'll have to come back. It's a little teaser. But uh, one of the things the guy so the the um, well a couple of things. So the guy in the front seat kind of calls it in. Says we got someone answering to the description of Thornhill. Um, you know we're all going to be heroes because we got the UN killer. Um, he says code seventy six. Now I looked it up. And there's so the the there's like the you know the the ten codes ten four ten twenty whatever the and I don't know if this maybe it's changed since the fifties but so ten ten seventy six is the code for en route to location so it seemed like seventy like wouldn't code se- I, I I don't know I thought code seventy six would be then when they're going to the hotel like that's the location now they're not they're like on their way back is that really the right code. I don't know how how familiar are, we, are you with the, are you with police codes? I'm not familiar at all. But great, so you're so, an expert. <laughs> so yeah, so it wasn't wasn't too bad for me because it didn't really register as anything. Okay. But what you're saying, yes, if you know it, that does seem like the codes are wrong. Yeah. Any officers of the law listening, maybe they can hop on the social medias and and correct me. So I'm yeah, because I well, I guess I wasn't sure of that. The well, the source I found said that the code so code 76 is en route to location. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's a two way thing, like so it could be on the way to the hotel or on the way, you know, back. Does it just indicate that they're on the move, that they're en route to somewhere, right? Right, that yeah, that could be it, could be just that they're they're now rolling mm-hmm. something like that. Hmm. I'll have to read up on police codes. <laughs> there you go. Do some some searching on police codes. The other thing I thought was interesting or odd is um, it's kind of hard to tell because from, from the back seat, mm-hmm. the guy driving it looks like he's like answered the phone. It's not like I'm used to like a CB walkie-talkie it's, it's handle thing. And I love that. I thought that was so cool. <laughs> then old timey. I want a phone like that in my car. You want a phone like that? Yeah, he's I got like a, a like hand. That. It's like a, it's like a like a rotary phone almost. Yeah, I'm wondering on the dashboard is there like a rotor thing that he's got to dial to to call? I hope so. Call HQ. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, kind of really sets us, you know, the, a time and place. Right, it's it gives a little exactly sets the time and place, a little bit of the mood there. I like it. You like it. And yeah, I guess so. The end of the minute though is just them okay he's still in the car yep he's just they're just uh kind of realizing who he is but not much else for this week yeah so he's definitely he's made his case these police officers they're they're on board like oh this guy is this guy's wanted he's not just some not interrupting auctions this is a killer Mm -hmm. they seem again to go along with we don't see him we 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 don't see them frisk Thornhill. They don't seem at, at all alarmed when Thornhill goes into his jacket pocket to pull something out. They've got the guy in the back seat sitting next to him. And that was when, you know, when they thought, oh, he's just drunk and disorderly. Now that they now that they think he's a murderer, they're still not concerned. They don't seem to be. They should 
I don't know, rough them up a little bit, you know, uh, kind yeah, of soften I mean, them up or you'd think they'd pull the car over, maybe rearrange the situation a bit. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I guess you don't there now there's no partition between the front seat and the back seat. Maybe that's, maybe that's the concern. It's like, Oh, if we're both in the front seat, ah, then that, he's you know, behind us. And you know, that's a good point. I saw good fellows. I know what happens when there's someone sitting behind you. <laughs> so maybe they should, maybe they should stop. Well, one stop, pull over, frisk him make sure he's not carrying any weapons maybe have him sit in the front next to the driver i mean maybe at least handcuff him would that be possible i mean or i mean something i mean the guy's practically driving (laughs) i mean yeah that's like i'm not i'm not an expert so you know maybe far be it for me to tell the police how to do their job but yeah maybe they want to handcuff the guy (laughs) <laughs> exactly i mean now that they know oh he's not just you know he's not just some guy in a suit who's had too much to drink this is a straight up you know killer right and i think i think it's pretty obvious that they do believe that he's the killer yes. you know it's not as if they're just like oh sure okay buddy you know you're the you're the killer mm-hmm. i i think they realize he actually is which makes it even worse yeah it it gets yeah i mean the the next minute it get, it gets worse but um so that's about all i had to say about minute 95 you do you have anything else brian that's about it anything else kind of anything else on like the first 95 minutes of the film before we close out this week on the first 95 minutes well i think that this is right now is a nice turning point where it all starts to come together starting up pretty much in the next minute yes just goes to the conclusion and you see all the pieces fall into place. Yeah, I will say, so, I mean, one of the things we, we, we've talked about earlier in the week um, is I thought this film was a little bit too long, but I will say at least the parts that drag are for the most part, like the beginning and the middle, things take a little bit long or there's long to set up or there's some scenes that you know, they didn't necessarily need. Um I don't think we needed a whole, I don't think we needed four minutes in that auction, but from this point on, it definitely, I, I think it picks up from here on out. We're in for some, a good, a good Hitchcock time. Mm-hmm. I think I could, I could, it's, it is a pretty long movie. Uh, so yeah. It's like right two and that. a quarter. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's a good point too. Yeah. That's a very All good right. point. Yeah. It's, it's, it could drag a little bit. I didn't think it was long or to like really dragging, like to the point where mm-hmm. I was like, what's going on? here but uh but I, I could see i could see a few scenes that were a little fleshed out they could have tightened some things up but yeah but again i from this point on it's all downhill that's right um it's all kind of moving pretty quickly um and that all starts next week so um i'll be back brian i think you'll you can come back yep i'll be listeners back. listeners you should come back um and but um, so if, if folks are, are wondering what else they can listen to over the weekend and they want to hear more, more from you, Brian, where can they go? Well, you and I, Sean, we have our own podcast, The Next Scene, as I talked about in the previous minute, covering yeah. all things pop culture, not just movies, but books, music, different scenes out of different movies, TV, you name it, we cover it. Yeah, all, all, pretty much all of pop culture. That's our mandate. Um, yeah, so you can find that over at nextscenepod.com. And uh, I did some previous shows. I did uh, Groundhog Minute, where I covered the movie Groundhog Day one minute at a time with our friend Dave Palace. 
I also did Spinal Tap Minute, covering the movie This Is Spinal Tap, one minute at a time, with a great co-host, Heidi Bennett. And you can find those podcasts and more if you head on over to moviesbyminutes.com. Uh, last time I checked, where there's over 150, close to 160 different podcast links to there covering all kinds of different movies. If if you like a movie, there's probably a podcast covering it one minute at a time. If there isn't, maybe you can start that podcast. You might be the one and uh, you know be that that next movie on the site. Talk speaking of sites, we have a site, Hitchcock Minute, which is the the home base for this show, the Hitchcock Minute Podcast. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. We do the the social media thing at uh, our Facebook group is The Man on Washington's Nose. And on Twitter, we are at Hitchcock Minute. So please, um, we hope you've enjoyed uh, this week. And we hope you come back for the next week of Hitchcock Thornhill, wherever you are.